One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership program is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash MyJers to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded. Jones delivers. Manchester, brace yourself. Rangers are coming. Well, thanks, just very strong. You know, we've got a battle fever on, but thanks to Rangers to win it. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to um, the Battle Fever podcast. My name is Scott Gray, and we are launching our Straight From Ibrook series today. Um, episode one, we have a man who has worked at the club for nearly 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's pretty good when there's a spiv near your bank account, and he has agreed to speak to us today, and we're delighted with that. His name is Colin Stewart. Colin, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Scott. How are you? Thank you for inviting me on to uh, Battle Fever podcast. Delighted to, to chat to you today. No problem, Colin. Hope all is well in this this time. Yes, yeah. My my biggest uh, regret just now is not having a been able to get a haircut. I'm probably three weeks <laughs> over. You know what you can't see is my hair pulled back, just now like, a, like a Gareth Bale man on the back. That's what you can't. So I, I won't be turning around very much. Straight on camera. Yeah. Fantastic. Colin, uh, we'll go back to kind of like yourself growing up um, and how you get involved yeah, sure. and stuff like that. Um, what made you fall in love with the club? Um, like, do you know, I'm not even sure there was anything like that. And simply because I come from a huge Rangers family, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody in my family, growing up from a very early age. I mean, my father tells me, he took me to my first game when I was three, you know, he was babe, supposed to be babysitting for me. So like all good Rangers dads, you know, he stuck me on his shoulders and took me to a game. 
Um, so, you know, from a very early age, my, my brother, you know, Alan, Jim, you know, and my cousins, uncles, that, you know, we're all Rangers fans, entire family are Rangers fans, you know. So it was just like, like most of us, I guess, it was destiny, really, to be honest with you. So there was no one occasion when I suddenly thought, oh, I'm going to support that team there. I just, I, I, to be honest, I don't remember when it first started because I was basically far too young. It was just, you were born into it, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, do any of your family then still go to the games just now, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, any any time, you know, um, you know, my, my father's eighty one now, and he, you know, he was the person who first obviously took me along, and he still gets to as many games as he can. You know, my Brilliant. my brother, you know, uh, Alan, his two kids, and and uncles, aunts, you know, cousins, you name it. I've probably got between ten and twelve family in the stadium at any one time. You know, <laughs> so uh, it's a bit of a family affair with us, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that, you know. So yeah, yeah, so. Uh, it's good because it means we never get together for you know like family affairs etc. We can we can chat about Rangers. You know, usually the, yeah. the men are in the kitchen. You know, and it's just Rangers. <laughs> you know, so, um, I'd imagine that's all our families. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Get the odd one or one or two who maybe not Rangers. You know, but they, you know they're outvoted usually. You know, so what um, what was the first kind of team that you remember that, that you really took in? Well, do you know, um, I, I was lucky enough, I guess, I've watched a few treble teams, you know, the 70s treble teams with, with you know, Greggy and, and, and Jock Wallace, that era. But probably probably just before that, you know, um, the, the 72 team, I was, I was about 10 roughly around about then. I was lucky enough to go to a few of the games, the home games at Ibrox and the 72 run. You know, I remember Torino, Sporting Lisbon and, and obviously the Bayern Munich uh, semi-final. That, that, that's a game that I that has stayed with me, you know, for a long, long time, you know, and I suppose my earliest memories are, go, you know, and good memories going on the supporters bus, you know, my, my, my father used to work, he was an engineer in Singers in Claybank, and then latterly the Edgington Group, you know, the Whiskey Bond up in Great Western Road, and uh, used to be a, a supporters bus came out of Oakle Patrick, I don't think it's, it's, it runs any longer, uh, but that, that's the bus we went on, you know, and I, I can remember the European run, especially the the Bayern Munich game, you know, um, you know, the bus itself was that it was an incredible experience for a ten-year-old because, it, you know, that that bus, they all knew each other. Like my, it was my father and all his mates and from from singers, you know. So it was, it was a it was a happy bus. They all, you know, they'd all work together during the day. Then they go in the bus to the game, you know. And uh, back in the day, that you know, a lot of the younger listeners won't, won't recognise this. The buses were they were just bench seats. You know, it was just benches, you know. So I can remember my father sitting in against the window and I'm on his lap. And then there's a man sitting beside him and he's got a kid on his lap. Now that bus, I don't know, maybe a 50 seats, must have had 120 people on it, you know, because you, you look back and every seat, every bench had, had four people sitting on it. And there were men standing all the way up the middle aisle. There were men sitting down beside the driver on that wee bench, beside the drivers. There were people sitting there. There were people on the steps down to the door. It was just, you could get away with it back then. And of course, everybody had alcohol. You know, all the men were bringing on whiskey and, and beer. And as a 10-year-old, you know, taking all of that in before you even get to, to the stadium was, was just magical, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I remember that game well for, for that reason. The bus was just like incredible, incredibly good fun, you know. So th- those are probably the best memories. And, and, I, and I guess that's the team, you know, the 72 team, were the, the first team that I really kind of, 
became a aware of, if you like, you know, and I always, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough, I, I'm also a director of the Rangers Former Players Charity, and we can talk about that maybe later, and, and I get to talk to a lot of the guys who I, I watched, like, you know, grow up Greggy and, and, and all the rest, um, but also the wee Willie Henderson, and I always kid wee Willie on, I'm far too young to have seen him, you know, and, <laughs> which, which is, which is kind of true, you know, and I, I can sort of remember Willie, you know, but but really, you know, really, I'm too young to to, to remember Willie. You know, but uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would say the '72 team. You know, certainly the the, the kind of '75, '76, '77. Those treble teams, magical time at Rangers. You know, they really, really were. We just won every game we played practically. You know, it was it was fantastic. Big Jock Wallace at the helm. You know, wonderful, great. Yeah. You know, who who would you say was your outstanding and favourite player mm-hmm. growing up? You know, I um, my, my hero was was Colin Steen because he was basically he was a centre forward who was scoring all the goals during, during those runs. I've never told him that, you know. And I, and I talked to Colin. I've got, I've got his I've got his his name on this phone, you know. He's been talking on the phone, and I've never actually said to him, you know, you know, growing up, you you were my hero, sort of thing, you know. Uh, and it's funny, I, I've kind of got two, I guess, because Colin, because he was a centre forward, and everybody wants to be, you know. Uh, but Greggy as well, John Greg is the captain, you know, um, we used to have this little kind of joke on the, the supporters bus when, when John ran out the tunnel just behind you there, always to the Copeland, which is where we always stood. And Greg, Johnny, uh, John Greg would put the ball down and he would kick it towards the goal. Now, if he got anywhere near the 18 yard box, it was going to be a good day. <laughs> If he didn't, we all kind of looked at each other and thought, oh no, it's going to, you know, it was just a daft thing, you know. And I told John about that later on, and he doesn't remember actually doing it. I said, yeah, you did it every single game. You took the ball, you dropped it, and you kind of half kicked, half dropped, kicked it towards the, the Copeland goal, you know. So, but uh, yeah, good memories, definitely good memories. But Colin Steen, definitely growing up, it was, it was quite funny quite recently, you know. I, I, I thought back to, uh, the, you know, times watching Colin, you know, scoring those goals. At the, the, the Braga game recently, that Hadji's third goal went in. Um, Colin and I were jumping up and down hugging, you know, and I, and I thought that's quite funny, you know, it's quite quite bizarre, you know, just that is what it is, you know. Um, basically, do you still get goosebumps driving to Highbrooks as an employee as you did as a kid, <laughs> even though you do it most days? Yeah, I mean, the answer is yes, I do, you know, I, I, obviously, I mean, there's no secret, not everybody at Highbrooks is a Rangers fan, you don't have to be, it's the same with every club, not, not everybody supports that club, uh-huh. but I think those of us who do support. Uh, the club, you know, it's difficult not to come in because I, I, I park my car. My office is in the Broomone, uh, Broomone house, and uh, so I'm parking at the Broomone gates and, and pretty much next to them, I, I guess. Yeah, obviously, every time you swing in, you know, you look at those gates and you think, wow, because I, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember the gates. I mean, the, you, you'll know this, but the Broomone gates and the Copeland gates are, are different. The, the Copeland gates, unfortunately, are not the originals. Um, but the Broomland Gates are, and if you look at them, they're, ma- they're magical, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I'm lucky enough to remember, you know, if you look at the older pictures of, of, the, of the 70s, 60s, etc., when you saw the gates, and behind that, there were kind of little buildings, but it was toilets, really, um, and quite a, quite an expanse, and then the staircase, etc. So so I, every time I look at them, and I can, I can try and visualise what it used to be like back in the kind of 70s and early 80s, I guess, but... Uh, yeah, I still get goosebumps, you know, you, you do. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. Every time I, I look in, and I, and I still drive by, and I slow down, and I actually look in. I can go in and look in at any time I want, but I still do it. I still drive by my stop, and I, and I have a wee peer in through the gates, and then I carry up staffed. But, 
I think I as, as fans, we can relate to that because I don't care who you are. When you're a fan driving by there, you slow down. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, you do. You know, I absolutely do. I say, I say good night to John Gregg every night when I drive by his statue. I, I do. I do say good night. I say good night. I should be telling you things like this. <laughs> um, how hard is it for you as an employee at the club and obviously a fan? Like yeah. games where maybe results don't go our way, things have happened in recent years. You're obviously yeah. on social media, fans are contacting you. How hard is it for you to keep your emotions in check? Yeah, that, that's that's a difficult one at times. You know, uh, <laughs> there's so many occasions I, I put a tweet on. I mean, you probably know I'm reasonably active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I've put a tweet on and, and I've maybe posted it, and whether it's been a, a good occasion, bad occasion, and I've deleted it like 10 <laughs> seconds later because I thought, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I'm actually getting better at it, to be honest, and holding emotions back. But what, what I frequently do is, if, and I watch the game too, from where you're sitting just now, just above that, I, uh-huh. I kind of watch the games from there. So I've, I've kind of got the view you've got. What I tend to do is if things are not going to be, I, I go downstairs and take myself away from it, and I go into <laughs> the trophy room, and I'm the only person. So the game's going on outside, and I, I'm actually standing in the trophy room just counting to 10. You know, because I, I found that's probably, that's probably the best way of doing things for me. You know, you know, so because because you do, you, you know, it's difficult not to get to get caught up. You know, because I've got it on two sides. One, if Rangers are not doing well, for example, in a game, it, it's it's bad for me as a fan, but it's bad for business as well. You yeah. know, if we lose a game, say our phones won't ring on a Monday morning. So I, I've got it on two sides. I've got yeah. it as a fan. I'm not happy. But also, it, it's not good for business either. So yeah. it's a kind of double whammy for me when we're. But le- equally, when we're doing well, it's fantastic. You know. Yeah. So well, I sit in the court one. How easy is it for me to have ten seconds in the trophy room when it's not going well? <laughs> Just come over. Just come over. We'll go down and sit. In I tell you, in the trophy, it can be a lonely place in there sometimes. You know, that's where I am for most. And I'll be honest about this. Most most old firm games, that's where I am for most games. You know, and I, and I run out when I hear a roar and I know we scored, but most of the game, that's where I can be found. <laughs> um, coming to kind of nowadays, what was what was Ibrox like on May the fourth, two thousand eighteen, leading up to the announcement that Stephen Gerrard was set to be paraded as a manager? Yeah, I mean. Incredible excitement, you know. We've, we've all known and watched Stevie over the years as a, as a legend in, in the game, and it was and still is, you know. And the idea of having, you know, a, a world icon um, at the helm, you know, immediately those of us who work at the stadium are immediately thinking, well, look, this is going to be great on the pitch. It's also going to be great off the pitch to have such an icon. And I think we can already see that, you know. I mean, I, I'm not talking out of school. I'm guessing, and I, and I couldn't put names to it, but I'm guessing there's one or two players who are here because of the manager um, yep. who, who possibly might not have been here. I don't know. I've got no facts there, but I'm guessing, you know, when Stephen Gerrard phones you, you're going to pick the phone up and, and talk to him, you know. So so having having a, a, an icon like that in charge can only be good for the club, you know. And I, and I think most of us at the club kind of saw that. But, but most, most importantly, I think most of us thought, well, you know, we need... We need to move to the next step um, because, I, you know, over the last few years, and we can talk in a wee bit about those those kind of dark years, as I call them, you know, steadily, for me anyway, for each manager has taken us on that bit further. Uh, and Stephen, over the last, you know, couple of years with his, his, his management team, it's been superb, you know, it really yeah. has. And I'm guessing most fans don't see what, what some of us can see, Um but you know we can talk about that separately if you want. But it's it's just been incredible the the, the change and the difference. And you know those of us at the club who've seen behind the scenes are 100% behind the manager. You know and what he's doing, what he's achieving. 
and just the, just the little things behind the scenes that the changes he's made incredible you know he's, he's brought a lot of learning from his career I suppose and he's you know he's, he's played at one of the world's top clubs and he's brought that professionalism and he's, and he's just taken us just up that little notch further uh, that can only be good for Rangers it's got to be you know. what, are, what are the changes that the kind of small changes that you've seen around as an employee that, yeah that I mean different? I think you know yeah, sure. I mean, like, you know, again, I'm not talking out of school. That you know, the changes at the dressing room, for example, the changes at the academy. Some of them are small. Uh, some of them are small changes. Uh, you know, changing around things. I don't know if you know some of your listeners or viewers have seen the changes at Ibrox, for example. You know, having the players uh, kind of eating area and seating area. Where previously, the players had to go upstairs and eat usually in one of the suites upstairs, and then then come down you know, when fans are arriving and, and it just wasn't ideal, you know, so, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's quite unusual in, in football, I guess, you know, most most clubs, the teams go in and that's them, they go in, the, the doors get closed, they eat there, they change there, they, you know, we were a wee bit different in that respect, so, you know, just having the players away from the noise, if you like, of match day and just to concentrate and the area that, that you know, the club have created where the players can eat, Next to that is a kind of breakout area where there's a big projector on the screen, screen on the walls, I think, so we can do some tactics. Just, just little, little things like that that have raised the bar a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and same up in the academy, you know, you've seen some change in the dressing room area. There's a little kind of breakout area where the manager can, can home in on, you know, defenders, midfielders, attackers, and bring them in in small groups and talk to them individually. Just, just small things that perhaps. You know, and it's no disrespect on anyone who was there before, but just probably didn't think about it and didn't realise that was something that, that we should and could be doing. But again, Stephen's brought that professionalism, uh, you know, from maybe from Liverpool, uh, from his experience elsewhere. And uh, and these little things work, you know, they, do, they, they just kind of raise them. I and, you, you know, you talk to any of the players and they'll tell you the, the levels of professionalism uh, are, are just far removed from where they were. And, and that's no slight on previous managers. You know, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, the current management team, they've, they've all come from, you know, if you look at their, their careers, you know, it's Liverpool, it's Man United, Chelsea, you know, you know, it's big clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you, you learn things and, you, you know, you, it's like working at a big company, you know, you do take that learning to your next company, et cetera. And, that, and that's kind of what Stephen and his team are doing, you know. So, um Oh, I, I mean, even now, two, two and a bit of years later, it's still incredibly exciting for, for, for certainly for staff to, mm-hmm. to be here, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, as a supporter as well, there's always been wee bits of Rangers that I feel have set us apart from other clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, just wee traditions that we keep yeah. going and things like, I mean, Stephen's mentioned it himself about his, the suit and stuff like that, and the manager's <laughs> got to be in the suit and stuff. I like that personally yeah. as a fan because... It sets us yeah. apart, you know. I totally agree, you know. I mean, and you look around at other clubs and managers are, are, are in tracksuits. And I can sort of understand why a manager might want to be in a tracksuit because he's quite active and animated mm-hmm. on the on touchline and maybe running up and down celebrating goals and et cetera. And, and I can sort of understand that. And maybe they feel more comfortable in a tracksuit. But when, I think when Stephen said himself, when he came up and he put the suit on and, he, and, he, and you know, when he realised this is what... What Rangers managers wear, he bought into it immediately because he saw the class. And you only have to walk up the marble stairs and go into the blue room and go into the other rooms up there when you realise, yeah, I'm at a proper football club. And I think Steve has used his words himself a number of times. You know, he's at a proper football club, uh, and we wear shirts and ties. That's what we do. Go right back to to, to the great Bill Struth. You know that that's what Rangers uh, players do. And I, I'm you know kind of every time I put my suit on here and 
you know, go to work and drive out, the, you know, the gate. And um, it's, it's pride, you know, you've got a range of suit on. Yeah. It's, it's a history that, you know, will always continue. Will, you know. Yeah. Um, bringing it up a wee bit, you're obviously the Director of Operations at the Rangers Youth Development Company. Um, you joined the club in 2001, and then it was called the Rangers Development Fund, if I'm right in saying that. Yes, that's right, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, how hands-on were you at that time in 2001 in making decisions in regards to what that was? Or if you could just give a wee brief insight of what that was Yeah, for. sure. I, mean, I, I had been working in London. I've been there for 15 years, and, and, and lastly, what I've been doing, I was with BT, actually down head office in London, St Paul's, and... I was kind of being used um, last certainly three years of that as a bit of a uh, troubleshooter, if you like. So I was, you know, moved into a team that wasn't working very well and uh, fix it, sort it, move on to the next team that wasn't really working very well, move it, fix it, sort of move it. And, and that's kind of what I was doing laterally. Um, so I, my son, you know, he, he was five and we, my wife and I, we'd been down for a few years and we thought, look, I think it's time to, to come home sort of thing. So I, I'd taken a year out and I was doing an MBA at Strathclyde um, and I got a phone call to, you know, would you like to come and work at Rangers, you know, and that's kind of a, a quite a nice phone call to get, you know. So, um, I, I, you know, I was I was intended to take two years out, to be honest with you, but, you know, when, when, when Rangers call, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of no-brainer really, you know. So... Um, you know, the, the brief was, was, was very simple. You know, at the time, the Rangers Development Fund um, were in Ed, Edmondson House. That's where my first office was. So you can imagine, I, I'd, I'd come from a company, British Telecom, where it's quite heavy on technology. I mean, even what we are doing now, we were doing that 25, 30 years ago in BT. We had a, a system that we were rolling out where it was for conference calls, where, you know, you saw each other who was at, on the call, a bit like Zoom. We had that 30 years. That's what I was used to doing, you know, and I had the best mobile phones, etc. And I came into a team where, a team of 12, that, that had been failing for a number of years, through the, through, not through their own fault, to be honest. Um, there was only one person who had a computer, and it was my PA, uh, the other 11 had never even put a finger on a computer. They, they just never done it. They, there was only one computer. You know, they didn't know what Excel was or Word or it, none, none of that. You know, so everything was paper. You know, each, each week, you know, we would have hundreds, hundreds of, of, of agents and lotto guys coming in with paper forms and cash and there was no direct debits. There was no website. There was, no, you know, obviously no social media, etc. So... The brief was quite simple, you know, bring it up to date, change it, turn it around and fix it sort of thing, you know. So the main the main product was, I mean, Rangers Lotto is our cash cow. It was Rangers Pools back then. For me, that was a kind of flat cap image, you know, it was a kind of older style um, image. So I was quite keen on on changing the whole thing. And so that's why I, I actually changed Rangers Development Fund to the Rangers Youth. And I wanted the word youth in there. Mm-hmm. Um, to reflect on where, because I actually changed, I also changed where the money went, because previously uh, the money, I mean, the background that you're looking at there, the three sides, um, Rangers Development Fund, uh, they were founded in 1962 and, and raised something like £120 million in that time, uh, and, it, and it basically paid for the majority of, of the three stands after the, the you know the disaster. Um, Willie Waddle was was quite active Um well, he used to stay behind after all the players went away and he would sit in Edmondson House with uh, with Jim Hanna, who was a ticket centre manager at the time, and they'd chew the fat. Well, next to the ticket centre was Rangers Development Fund. So Willie was quite active with my predecessor, Hugh Adam. Um, and 
you know, that's where they, they can agree, look, let's start putting funds towards a new stadium. And that's, what, that's when it was agreed that's what they would do. So back then, the Rangers Development Fund were, were handing across, you know, four, five, six million pound checks. I'm talking, you know, a long time ago when that was a serious amount of money. Um, so, but, but that had gone, you know, the, 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 the national lottery had come on board. Everybody thought we're going to win millions of pounds in the national lottery. So people were leaving Rangers pools en masse and, and it was just a big downward slide. So I was basically brought in to, to change things around and turn it around. So, and I'd like to think sitting here now, all those years later, yeah, I think we've done it. You know, we've got our own website. There's a lot of technology involved now. You can do everything online, on mobile, etc. Um, staff have all changed bar one um, and we're away from Edmondson House thankfully you know so it's, it's all good it's, it's been a roller coaster obviously lots of ups and downs but but where we are now is, is just a million miles away from, from where we were back then you know yeah um, I was actually about, about to cover that they had the provided funds for the stands and how active mm-hmm. you were in changing that you basically answered that so I'm delighted at that yeah um, that was me <laughs> <laughs> The, the funds also helped the land for the Hummel Training Centre. How proud were you when that opened? The Rangers Training Centre, yes. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember going up. It was just opened, just opened. There was a man called Peter Kingston who uh, was very active and very very involved in, in, in you know, the building of it. And, and Peter took me up and gave me a wee before it was officially opened. Um, and it was state-of-the-art. You know, Peter he was, you know, told me stories that he and... Uh, the manager at the time, you know, Dick Advocat, um, they they went on a tour, basically, uh, Peter told me, of all the, the kind of big training centres around Europe. So they went to um, AC Milan, they went to Barcelona, they went to Madrid, they went to uh, Man United, etc., etc. And and what they basically did was nick bits from all of them. So they went to, um, and <laughs> the one that impressed them most of all was, believe it or not, Middlesbrough. That's the one that Peter said that Dick Advocat was most impressed with because I think they had just opened one and they, they themselves had nicked little bits and pieces off. So that at that time, the state of the art one was actually Middlesbrough, I believe it or not. So anyway, so we, we, we took um, bits and pieces from all the big, and why not? It's a good way of doing things, to be honest. And uh, so at the time when it, when it opened, it, it had an incredible, and it still does, to be fair, it had a wow factor, you know, because previously... You know, it's well documented. Rangers players during Walter Smith's era, you know, would would sit out the front in a minibus while Walter or Archie would be on the phone trying to find somewhere to train. <laughs> How mad is that? That's crazy. You'd be gas going and loud sitting in a minivan outside. But you're, man, never affected you, them much, though. Call. Well, correct. You know, <laughs> they could have been though. You know, but so, so and then when you go, you know, you, you, when you walk through again, the, the the changes up there have been tremendous. And you know, really, some quite small but subtle. Um, but you walk through those front doors and you've seen photographs of perhaps with the, you know, the white walls and some of the writing and the Rangers crest. And you're under no illusions. If you're, if you're a player that we are kind of courting, for example, and you walk up there, you can't fail to be impressed. You, you just can't, you know. And even, you know, you, you talk to some of the, you, you hear, sorry, I mean, even Jermaine Defoe, who's been around at Spurs and whatever, um, waxing lyrical about the, the facilities. I mean, that, that'll do for me, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. 
always loyal. Um, how proud are you then that are the, the graduates that have made the breakthrough so far from the Youth Academy into the first team? You're Alan McGregor's, Alan Hutton, obviously, yeah. before we sold on, guys like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're obviously on the business side of, of things. You know, um, Craig Mulholland and, and his his team are doing an incredible job. And even even over the last two years, three, four, five years, the the improvement that the, the improvements that Craig has made have been astonishing. Um, you know, I, I I was telling the story fairly recently. You know, um, I stood watching a game up at the academy all years ago. John Brown's the manager and. And, and I, I said to John, I said, right, who, you know, who, who do you think is going to make it here in this team? And he, and he pointed to, he says, that big, that big boy at right back, he'll, he'll make it. It was Alan Hutton. And he said, uh, he said, right, that boy in midfield with left foot, and it was Charlie Adam, he said, and the, and the wee boy up front, it was Ross McCormack. Now, to have the three of them in the one team yeah. and look at the transfer fees, the three of them combined have commanded. Well, they, they came from the Rangers Academy, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I always get a wee bit annoyed, and I, and I deliberately stay off Twitter on these occasions when I hear people say the academy has never produced anything. It has, you know, and, it, and it's and it's naughty and 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 lacking in, in detail and information of anyone to say it's never a, you know, I mean, you know, never produced anyone. If you look around a lot of academies, top academies, you know, and I read a good piece the other day about Barcelona and how that's failing just now. You know, um, you know, clubs go through different phases where players come through. And if, if you even look five years ago at, uh, say, one of our development squads, and if you look at a development squad now, five years ago, you might have got maybe three, four, five players that you could choose and say, yeah, they, those guys are going to play professional football. The others, not so sure. If you look at our development squad now, I, I, you know, 90% of these guys will play professional football which is an incredible achievement from, from Craig and the guys. You know, you know, we could be playing a game in the development squad and, and they could make a couple of changes. Nothing, the, 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 nothing dips. The form continues because the guys coming on are every bit as good as the guys who are on the pitch to start with. So the levels have been raised. The bar has been raised. And, uh, you know, watching some of the kids there just now, like we've seen one or two, Nathan and Kai, for example, are probably the pick. Uh, Nathan Young Coombs is a great player coming through. Lewis Mayo, you know Liam King. There's a lot of names there who will play professional football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Rangers. I mean, it's not for me to say. You know, I, as I say, I'm on the, the kind of the business side of things. But you know, our pride is, and when we see, you know, maybe one of the young boys who's come out carrying the halftime drum at age 14, mm-hmm. suddenly making his debut, and we've had Nathan and Kai carrying that drum, and Liam, yeah. Liam King carrying that drum out. You know. And they're playing for Rangers. That that's a kind of sense of achievement for us. You know, that's yeah. what we take from it. You know, yeah. I, I just don't know how they can say that because the guy we've got in goals just now, obviously, yeah. could have went for millions at one point. And you're hoping that guys like Robbie McCrory are going to be the future that's going to come through and take over for yeah, Alan yeah. McGregor. Do you know? Do you know there are? I mean, you know, uh, uh, sometimes I, I've seen this recently. It's a shame that. You know, some of the guys we've got just now, for example, in our development squad, if we go back four or five years when Ali took over and had six players, a lot of those guys would be straight in that first team. Mm-hmm. Without question, Bobby McCrory would be the goalkeeper. Without question, you know, um, you know, Lewis Mayo, Nathan, Kai Kennedy, they would all be straight in that first team because yeah. they're good enough. At that level. But, you know, the bar has been raised so high that the guys have been given an extra challenge, if you like. You know, Nathan has come on, and, and I, I thought he's done incredibly well in the games he's got. But he's got James Tavernier ahead of him. Yeah. 
know, so that, that's, that's Nathan's challenge, you know. Uh, going back four or five years, it would be the first team pick. There's no question on that, you know. But the bar has been raised and the manager is continuing to raise that bar. And, that, and that's a challenge for the players. And they know that and they're up for it, you know. So, but yeah, we, we get, we get a, lot, a lot of pride when we see some of the kids that we've watched, as I say, carry, carry that half-time drum out suddenly become you know Rangers players with tops you know and it's it's great to see you know that's our pride I think you know. Given the fact that the manager's an academy graduate do you think then that the players kind of see that road a wee bit clearer the fact that he's been doing that route himself? Yeah yeah I think so I think so because I think you know I know for a fact the manager's very hands-on um you know Craig's told me many times the manager is quite hands-on and and is 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 top team management they're always round talking to Craig Craig's always round there you know it's well documented that a number of youth players go round and train with the first team each week um, so it's well documented the manager knows who the youth players are he, he takes a great interest in him as you say he came through the Liverpool Academy so I mean let's be honest I think most fans of all clubs would the, the ideal scenario in Nirvana if you like would be 11 homegrown players you know I think we would yeah. all love to see that you know, uh, you know and I think the way the way things are just now, if we can achieve, I, I don't know, maybe one, maybe two um, graduates, if you like, coming through properly to be in the first team, not not just in the, the, the kind of top twenty-two something, but in that first team, yeah. that would be that would be the kind of main achievement each year. And I, and I think the manager's up for it. I think he would do it if they were there. I think Craig is definitely, and the players are up for it because there's a few knocking on the door. There's no question they're knocking on the door, which is a great a great problem for for any manager to have to have youth players coming through. You know, because as you say, the manager was a youth player. He was given his chance, his opportunity. And I think already he's given a number of players their opportunities, you know. Or the, or the chances are there if they, you know, the players, it's up to the players to, to take the chances, you know. Can you just describe, yeah. Colin, a wee bit how the fans can get involved with the Rangers Youth Development Company to then put business into that for you to then transfer to Craig Mulholland to, to continue the academy? Yeah. Sure. Well, I, I, you know, I've always said it, our cash cow, if you like, the main main revenue earner for the, for us and the club is, is Rangers Lotto. You know, it's a million pound a year game. Um, if you go to our website, RYDC, Rangers Youth Development Company, RYDC.co.uk, if you go in there, you see all of our products you can buy. You can say, I mean, they, what I'd like everybody to do is to sign up to Direct Debit. So a pound a week, you know, and you can win. You're entered into three uh, competitions. Um you can win £25,000 monthly in a monthly draw. There's um, £5,000 a Saturday draw, £1,000 in the Wednesday draw. We give away about £300,000 a year in prizes from Rangers Lotto. So, I, you know, that, that would be first and foremost. I would ask all Rangers fans, if you could please go to rydc.co.uk and sign up to play Rangers Lotto. It's, it's disappointing to say that, you know, the stand behind you there, the Sandy Jardin stand, everyone who plays Rangers Lotto will fit in that stand. You know, when you consider we have got some, I don't know, 1.4 million fans yeah. around, you know, it's, it's quite, quite sad, you know, and, and I make no bones about this, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say it, that our, our rivals across the city dwarf us in terms of, you know, their equivalent game and, and that, there's no reason why that should be, absolutely no, zero reason, you know, so rydc.co.uk, please sign up to play Rangers Lotto. Um, the other, the other ones, of course, uh, stadium bricks. You know, by you can go online right now. We're still doing stadium bricks. Um, uh, if you look at, over to the left there, behind the, you know, the broom on on the ground, the new style bricks um, uh, look fabulous. You know, you can go online just now uh, and buy those. The other products you can't do just now. Obviously, the halftime draw. Um, hopefully, that'll be back. It's, it's an interesting one. What you know, I, I, I'm kind of looking ahead to think if if we do have, and, and I have no information on this, if we do 
have games behind closed doors, for example, and that, that might happen, I don't know. Uh, we may have a virtual half-time draw game, you know, so if you're, you're sitting at home watching Rangers TV, uh, the game will have a virtual half-time draw game where you can still buy a ticket, you know, so we, we'll introduce that if, if, if need be. Um, um, yeah, and also, also on our, our website, Ranger Scratch Cards are great presents, they're great gifts for birthdays and Christmas, etc., etc. So, look, that Rangers Lotto first and foremost, then Stadium Bricks, etc. But that, that's how fans can do it. It's a great way of getting money into the club, you know. Yeah, fantastic. Um, to kind of touch on the poor side of our history in the last, well, recent history, I suppose, um, what was it like as an employee and a fan of the club in 2012? and the subsequent years that followed? A sharp intake of breath. Um, <laughs> for us all. <laughs> do you know, it, it, it's a funny one, Scott, because it started off, you know, certainly in the first couple of weeks, it started off quite well in terms of, you know, Craig White came in and, uh, of course, he had wealth off the radar. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> And I, I remember sitting down with Craig, just one-on-one, the two of us, he invited me around for a chat. And of course, I'm, I'm thinking, this is great. I'm, you know, I'm going to meet a, a multi-billionaire. So I, I kind of, I sat down, just the two of us, and, and we had a great chat, you know, and uh, um, he told me some plans that he had. And I thought, wow, this is, this is incredible, you know. And um, I went away and I said to my team, you know, look, this is, this is going to be amazing. This is, you know, no fears about the future, et cetera. So about a week later, you know, I went back and, and you know, um, he, he did probably, I mean, I'm probably the only person he actually did any good for, to be honest, when I think about it. Because I, <laughs> I, I sort of said, yeah, I sort of said to him that, you know, he, he said to me, what, what would you like to happen? I said, well, look, you know, the shop downstairs don't sell any of our scratch cards. He says, that's no use. He said, give me a second. And he picked his phone up and he phoned the head office. Uh, was it JD back then, JD Sports? I can't, yeah. See, he phoned the head office down in Wigan and he said, um, yeah, I want you to place an order of 10,000 scratch cards from, from Colin Stewart. He'll be back in his office in an hour if you can phone him and sort it out. So true to his word, I went back, they phoned and, and, and bought 10,000 scratch cards off, off us and they were in the shop the following week. <laughs> so I thought, this, this, is, this is going to be wonderful, you know. So, but slowly but surely, you know, talking to, 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 to Craig and just being in his presence, you know, I can only imagine, you know, when you're in... And I've been lucky enough, I guess, a few times in my life, you've been in the presence of someone who is genuinely wealthy. They have a bit of an aura about them. You know, they, they do. They just have an, an aura about them. Craig doesn't have an aura about them at all in any shape or form, you know. And, and, and just just being there, I just thought it was a wee bit quirky because it just didn't come across as someone who, you know, so, you know, and, and it, went, it went south pretty quickly, to be honest with you. Uh, and after that, I, my, you know, my radar was, was raised and... I, and I've said this before, I'm not, there's nothing new here, I, I refused to meet Charles Green, I never met Charles Green, uh, his, his secretary was, was, you know, sent me so many emails and phone calls, Charles wanted to meet me, I think Charles wanted to meet my bank balance is what he wanted, <laughs> and uh, I, I, just, I just refused to meet Charles and, and you know, and, and, and subsequent people, I, I, you know, I didn't meet, you know, Bias or Leach or any of those guys, I didn't, these deals, I didn't, I just refused to go around. And, and it was a difficult time for us, to be honest with you, because a lot of staff had been unfairly laid off. And, and, I, and I've got to be careful what I say here, I guess. But yeah. you know, we, we, we were still there and uh, around in the broom loan. And I, to be honest, for a long time, we locked the doors, uh, to be blunt. Uh, on occasion, I knew they were looking for me. So I, I, I would take my laptop and, and come home. 
and and work from home, which which I can do. To be honest with you, it's no big deal here for me. Um, I, I can do that, and I and I did that quite frequently because you know it, it got. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it too much, but it, it got it got a bit dark to be <laughs> honest with you, a bit a wee bit threatening, I guess you know. But it'll take more than that to to kind of threaten me, you know. So <laughs> I um, I kind of shrugged that off, you know. When you when you stand in the Copeland uh, as a ten year old when bottles are flying over your head, you know, you kind of like. Nothing, nothing, you know, it prepares you for everything for that, you know. So, um, you know, so it, it is what it is, you know, and, and, and thankfully that, you know, that period passed, you know, but it, but it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice for anybody. It wasn't nice for staff, those staff. I mean, there's, there, there aren't too many of us left, if you like, who there beforehand, you know, a lot, a lot of really good people were, uh, were let go through no fault of their own. Um, I, 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 you know, it's a, it's a shame. It is what it is. Um, but there's, you know, there's a few of us still left, you know. But uh, it was, it was a very dark time. But, you know, I, I never had any fear that that the club would come through. I never had any fear, for example, for my area, RYDC. You know, I, you know, we, uh, I, I spoke to various um, uh, authorities. I mean, I, I, because of Rangers Lotto and the halftime draw, those are, those are, those are um, governed by the Gambling Commission of Great Britain. You know, that's that's my. If you like my boss, if you like, so I, I spoke to the gambling commission, and they came to the inspector for Scotland came to see me in the office, and uh, and I met him off off site a few times, and, and I, I explained to him, I said, look, you know, and it's a it's a well known fact that all, all of the money raised from from lotto and, and the half time draw and, and, and scratch cards, those are all lottery products. That money must go to the academy. It must go. It's ring fenced, and I, I've signed a contract, and I get a personal license every year from the gambling commission to run those products. That money must go to the academy. I cannot take a pound off you and then give it somewhere else because mm-hmm. that's fraud. Um, so I've signed a mandate to say that it must go to, to the academy. Now, I, I suspect it strongly, uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, saying it lightly, I guess, that the money was not going to the academy had I transferred it over. So I explained it all to the, you know, to the inspector of Scotland, and he totally agreed with me. And, and, and and he gave me a form, um, you know, basically saying, look, you know, we agree with what you're saying. You do not have to give cash to to the club right now until we, we, we deem it safe enough. So that's why, you know, I, I was happy enough in, that I'd spoken to the, to the right authorities that, that I, I didn't really care what, you know, the, the guys who were running the club at the time said or thought or did even. Um, they could throw their best at me. I knew that I, I was in the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that, yeah, I just, it was just the right thing to do, to be honest with you. And I knew that, you know, given, given if it was yourself or any other fan, it was the right thing to do. We would all have done the same thing. You know, it was, it was money ring fence for the club. And it, it certainly was, that's where it was going. Yeah. As far as I was concerned, you know. So, for, um, for us supporters, though, we looked at guys like yourself. Thankfully, guys like yourself were still at the club. Guys like Ali McCoyst, um yeah. Ian Durant, you know, to, to look to get us through this as, as a fan base. Who did you look to? Who who was it that you couldn't lean on to get yourself through it? Because it must have been harder for yourselves mm-hmm. at the time as well. Do you know? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You know, I've known Ali for a few years, and, and, and Ian, you know, and thank God they were there. Thank God Sandy was around. You know, uh, but it was, but it was a very, it was a kind of a lonely existence to be honest. Certainly for me. And RYDC, we, we we had to shut ourselves off, mm-hmm. um, 
as I say, I, I, I was at home quite often working to, to kind of keep out the clutches. And John Gregg, probably, you know, uh, I, I've known John for almost from the day I joined. You know, John has always had a passion for the youth programme. And it goes back, he's told me this, it goes back to when he was a manager. He always looked at the youth to see who he could, who he could put up. And, uh, and probably, yeah, probably John, I would say, you know, you, I don't know if we're touching on this, but I, I'm also a director of the Rangers Former Players Charity and myself, John Gregg and Peter McCloy sit on, sit on that board and look after the former players, you know. So if anybody, I would say John, you know, um, who, who better to look up to than John Gregg, you know, um, no, no one better, to be honest, you know. Yeah. It was certainly a, it was certainly quite lonely at the time, to be honest with you, because I weren't looking around, there weren't many of us left, to be honest, you know. Yeah, what are your memories of the day then in March 2015 when Dave King, Paul Murray, and John Gilligan took back control of Rangers? Given the, the conversations that you've obviously alluded to before, and had it gone mm. the other way, who yeah. knows what would have happened with yourself? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, sure. yeah. yeah, that was a that, <laughs> that that was an interesting day. You know, I um again, I'll be careful what I say, but my phone was was red hot in the office. It was a day of EGM, if you remember, the tents on, on the pitch and, you know, and, and we were all kind of hoping that it would go the right way and, you know, Dave and, and, and Paul and, and John were, were kind of in the wings and, you know, and obviously, you know, I'd had some discussions beforehand and I was, I was really confident on how things were about to turn out, you know. Um, but it was difficult, you know, because there was a... I, again, I'll, I'll be careful here, but you know there was a there was a, a very much a concerted effort, a kind of last minute effort, a, a drive, a push to to get money off me that day. Um, wasn't nice, um, but you know um, we, we did the right thing, you know, and and we, the vote went the right way, and 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 it was great. The, the, the feeling of relief, um, yeah, it was immense. The, the few of us who were left, you know the. Uh, just afterwards, you know, there was a lot of hugs. You know, mm-hmm. it was nice, good, it was nice, great feeling. Yeah. Uh, four years of hell, you know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Moving on for that slightly then, obviously shortly yeah. after the return of Dave King, Paul Murray and John Gilligan, we saw the return of the man you mentioned earlier, John Gregg. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Rangers supporter, seeing pictures of John Gregg sitting in the director's box gives us... Mm-hmm just so much security to know that he, he is involved in it's a great start yeah. range at the end of the day you know you, you want guys like that involved yeah. at your club yes no I, as I say I've known John a few years and I, I, and he is he is Mr Rangers he lives and breathes you know, he phoned me the other day there just for a catch up to see how we're, how we're both doing so I mean, he's fine he's perfectly fine you know uh, he, he came to see me um, oh, maybe, maybe three years ago and he, he just came into the office and sat down we had a cup of tea and we're sitting after about half an hour he said uh, I guess you're wondering why I'm here because he, he usually just phones he doesn't tend to come in so um, I said yeah you know and it was then he asked me if I, I would take over the running of the former players mm-hmm. you know and and, uh, and I said I said okay I'll, I'll, I'll do that I'll, I'll, you know, I'll join the board and take over the running of it you know, if you become a director of RYDC as well, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do this if you do that sort of thing. You know, so so he laughed and he says, "Look, I'll be delighted to do that." So so having John Greg on board as a director of the Rangers Youth Development Company, you know, it's it, it, it's, it's tremendous. You know, it really is. He's, you know, just just having him sit beside me sometimes is is is, is tremendous. You know, because I you know I'm old enough to to have watched him as a player 
uh, and then as a manager and, and, and director and all the other roles that John has had at the club, you know. So to, to sit to sit on two, I guess, two boards with him um, uh, is, is tremendous, you know. He, he is Mr. Rangers, you know. Uh, a, a quick story on his statue actually just come, just sprung to mind there. When John was first told, it's Campbell over, he told John he was getting a statue. And John says, no, I don't, I don't want a statue. I don't, I don't want a, he's very, very humble, John. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't think John appreciates sometimes the, the the kind of feeling fans have with him. You know, uh, he said, "No, I, I don't want a statue." He said, "No, no, you get a statue." Now, John, he was asked to go up to uh, the sculptor's office up in uh, uh, up in Springburn, I think it was at the time. And uh, so he says, oh, "After training up one day," and he says, "And uh, he says, no, I, I genuinely thought I was getting like a, a a foot statue that would sit on my desk beside all the other kind of awards." So he says, so I'm going up and looking at this, and I can't find the door. And I, and I said, and I looked along the window, and I peered through the window, and suddenly I looked up and saw this nine-foot statue of me. <laughs> he says, and I couldn't believe it. And that's, that's when John found out the statue he was getting was actually a nine-foot bronze statue, you know. So he tells a really funny, this lasts about half an hour, the story John tells, you know. So it's actually quite funny, you know, that he was so humble that he genuinely, A, didn't want one, and B, thought he was getting a little foot thing that would sit on his mantelpiece, you know. So... No, but having having John Greg back is you know, John knew, that, and I don't think I'm talking out of school again. I, you know, John knew the effect it would have when he stepped down. It took him a long time to decide it because he's you know he's, he's Mr. Rangers, and he knows that you know John stepping down would let fans see hold on there's something wrong here. Yeah. You know, John John knew the effect that would have. He also knew the effect it would have when he came back on board. So tremendous. Great to have yeah. him on board. Great, great man. During the kind of time that we're in just now, Colin, in the world, obviously, how difficult has it been for you and your department to kind of keep things rolling on? Obviously, there's some things you can't, as you alluded to earlier, with yeah. the half-time draws and yeah. stuff, but how difficult has it been overall to try and keep the band rolling a wee bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's, been, it's been almost impossible, to be honest. I mean, we've had to stop Rangers Lotto, for example, the weekly draws just now. Yeah. Uh, Few reasons. Uh, one of them, one of the main ones, I guess, is that with GDPR rules these days, you cannot take customer records home. I can't, I can't take your name and address and card details here to my house. Yeah. You can't do that. They have to stay at iBooks. So for that reason alone, we can't, we can't run games, and you know. So we took the decision to 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 stop Rangers Lotto during lockdown. But once we're back at the stadium we'll run additional draws to catch up again. So, but my, my staff um, are, are kind of just sitting home doing what they can do, you know, and we, um, one, of my, one of my staff, she's able to do the inbox every day and answer fans and take recorders and, and do little bits and pieces. Um, I, I can still, you know, do, do what I do, no problem. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's no question from our side the work is less because there are no games, there's no football games, there's no half-time draws, there's no Rangers lottery games. Because quite often I get a lot of feedback and a lot of questions from the previous week's draw, from the previous week's game, etc. Well, none of that is happening. So, yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm looking forward to, to lockdown being over and being back at the stadium and, and, and being back into to the, to the swing of it again, you know. so But to be fair, you know, it's we're doing the right thing just now, you know, because it's, yeah. you know, it's a difficult world out there just now, and I think yeah, I think we're all safer indoors right now. To be honest with you, you know. So, but but to answer your question, yeah, it's been difficult for our YDC. To be honest yeah. with you, you know. So, what's what's next for the Rangers Youth Development Company and the academy, and how do you see it growing in the future? 
Yeah, well, you know, being back at the stadium and getting additional draws is something that I'm looking forward to, you know. Mm. You know, any time I'm up talking with Craig Mohand up at the academy and I'm watching maybe training or a game, it just gives you that wee little spark to come back and think of something else to make more money, you know. Mm. I'm working on something just now, which is a... Is a is a is an, an auction site, if you like, where I, I, I'm speaking to Craig about it recently, where I'd quite like, you know, say, for example, Peter Lovencrans or Kevin Thompson, whenever they're finished with a pair of boots, can they sign them and give them to me? And I'll put yeah. them online and we'll raise, raise money for RYDC. You know, that kind of thing. You know, the youth, can they sign it? If they just want a big game, can one of them take one of their tops, all of them sign it, put it online? So an RYDC auction site that we can raise more money for the academy. There's something I'm talking to. Uh, we had a conference call last week. I can't say too much right now um, with a Swedish company, and, and it's, it's quite successful over there. So I've got another conference call tomorrow, in fact, to catch up with that. So that if that comes off, I think that could be fun, could be you know for fans, and it could be a decent revenue earner for us. So that that's you know, can I watch this space for that one? There's always something you know we're, we're looking at to improve and. And, and there's always better ways of doing things. It doesn't matter what you've done. There's always a better way of doing it, you know. So, but um, I'm I'm always driven to to raise. You know, I wanted last season's check was four fifty, four hundred fifty thousand pounds. Academy. I wanted this season's to be five hundred. It, it, it's going to be a bit difficult because we've had no game, for example, and we've lost the the kind of five home games there. Yeah. Assuming the season if it isn't played again then that's five times half-time draws that I've lost the revenue for, et cetera. So it's actually going to be quite difficult. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, I'd love, I'd love to kind of hand over half a million pounds and then keep going to, to even a million pounds. That's my kind of dream, you know. And uh, I've been working on for a while, years, to have a competition where the prize is a million pounds. You know, so a Rangers fan becomes a millionaire. That's the kind of kind of dream I have up here. But it, would, it, would, it always stops me because it would need to something like, the tickets would need to be £25 or something. Yeah. Enough fans would go for that, to be honest with you. So, But it's always something. There's always ideas there generating. Uh, and I always welcome, you know, emails from fans. You know, my, my email address is Colin Stewart at Rangers Co. UK. It's no secret, you know, fire me an email if anyone has an idea for something. They, maybe they've seen it with a different club or et cetera. Send the ideas to me and we'll, we'll have a look at it, you know. So always looking for something new, you know, always on the, on the lookout. That was one. That was the next question, actually. Um, how can fans get in contact with you through social media, emails, etc.? Yeah, well, just as I say there, I mean, first and foremost, rydc.co.uk. Um, then our, our lotto inbox, if you like, you know, is is it rydc at rangers.co.uk. Rydc at rangers.co.uk. So those are the two kind of official ones. You know, if it's something personal, an idea for me, they want me to do something, then then just my name at rangers.co.uk. Colin Stewart, RFC Colin. Um, so uh, you know, get me on Twitter. You know, I'm quite active on Twitter. I, I, I like to. I like to respond to people, whether it's, you know, taking it offline and go DM, you know, whether it's something I can respond to. I mean, now and again, I cannot respond to, you know, for example, things going on just now at the club. I would never go anywhere near that. It's nothing to do with me. You know, I, I, I kind of keep away from that, you know, and I, and I can't comment on, on things like that. And it's not for me to kind of talk about that. And even on things like, you know, people ask my opinions on a certain player, for example. Again, that's nothing to do with me. I can't comment on that. A certain player, and I never would, to be honest with you. you know, I, I've always been one of these fans, and there's, there's a few of us, I guess. You know, I would never criticise a Rangers player. You know, I just, I just can't do it. You know, I would, you know, you get disappointed maybe with somebody missing a chance or doing whatever, but I can't bring myself to criticise a Rangers player, someone wearing a Rangers. I just can't do it. You know, so we're part so of the I, same I, team. 
Yeah, well, actually, said, you know, plus at the end of the day, those those guys are on that pitch doing something that you and I will never will never do. You know, so they've obviously reached a level that is way beyond you and I, you and our capabilities. So, mm-hmm. so to criticise somebody who is clearly better than you, and why would you, you know? So, you know, there's there's a lot of things on Twitter that I I, I kind of try and explain. Look, I, I like to I like to engage on Twitter and talk. Cause I think it's fun as well. But at the same time, there's a few things I can't, you know. But, but yeah. we, we, by, by all means, you know, get in touch with me on Twitter. And, and, and um, I don't really do Facebook, to be honest with you, but Twitter definitely and, and emails. Email me, you know. I'm at home. I've got plenty, plenty of time in my hands, you know. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colin, that's just about us. I'd like to thank you on behalf of the fan base, if I can, for everything that you've done for the club um, over the last 20 years nearly, and especially in the last kind of recent history since 2012 um, yeah. as a fan base I think guys like yourself have really kept us together so we're, yeah. we're delighted to have guys like you at the club um, you know, Thank you Scott, it's very kind of you know, I, I, you know, I like to think that A, I got lucky by getting a job and I just see myself as a fan who got lucky to be honest with you and I'll do my best while I'm here but I, you know, I, I'm just doing what, what any of us would do to be well, I'd like to think that anyway, you know, but uh, uh, there's more to come you know, more to come, definitely. But listen, good luck with the pods. Uh, thank you for inviting me on and uh, keep in touch. Yeah. No bother. Thanks very much, Colin. Thanks very much for everything. Thanks, everyone. Stay Cheers, safe. Scott. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.